0: Just as real as me sitting here looking to you, that reality of where I was was that real. It's not something it was a it was a place I was at. I was conscious. I didn't know I, I was aware of myself, but I didn't I didn't know where I was at.
1: Hey everyone on today's episode of Milwaukee Uncut, we have some stories that you are not going to believe our guest was once pronounced dead for 45 minutes after grounding a plane and being struck by lightning he's also a man of action he once jumped out of his vehicle to stop a woman who ended up becoming his wife on the street and since then he has started a church christian faith fellowship on the north side of milwaukee which is filled with 2,000 members every single week he's built a community center Bishop Daryl Hines joins me on today's episode. Did you enjoy growing up in the church?
0: Yes, it's interesting because I had my um, I had my wonderful moments being a part of the church, then I had my challenging moments, you know, being a, you, when you don't know anything else, you then it's easier to do it. But as I became of age, you know, that's when we were raised in the church when it was uh it was Pentecostal church it was real strict back, you know, 40-50 I won't go any further than that. Years ago, I mean very strict. You couldn't, you couldn't we couldn't play any sports. We couldn't go to the movies. We couldn't, we couldn't play any card games. All we could do was go to church, go to school, and go to a, a, a neighbor's house or a relative's house. And if we played, we played church or we played house. We we had we we couldn't, we couldn't, I mean seriously, we couldn't, you know, it was very strict. And so and then I had three sisters before I had a brother. And so, you know, so I, you know, I learned how to uh, jump double dutch and I could throw play jacks and I could I could do hopscotch pretty good. But, but the boy games, I, I couldn't do it because they wouldn't let us play basketball, football, baseball or anything like that.
1: Really? Um, I want to go back to how you met your, your wife, Pamela Hines who was not a member of that church can you can you tell me about that and how you eventually got her to marry you
0: uh yeah <laughs> first of all she is the best thing that has ever happened to me i didn't realize the jewel or the the joy that I would have being married to Pam. But when I saw Pam the first time, and people think this story is unbelievable, but it is when I first saw her, she was 12 years old. And she came with some neighbors to my father's church. And I was a musician there playing in the organ. And she was from a different Reformation. And when we say Reformation, we're Pentecostal. She was from a Baptist church. And so even though we had similar doctrine, we didn't. Uh, always uh, go about it the same way.
1: They were a little more lenient.
0: A lot more lenient. Yeah. A lot more lenient on that side. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Very lenient. And uh, so she came and and, uh, I saw her and she came a few more times. And what my mom did was my mom found out where she came from and she called her mother. And Pam was no more than 12 years old, called her mother and said, I have a son that your daughter is that your daughter is going to marry. And of course, Miss Hazel, she she wasn't church at all, so she's like, I'm not sending my your your buddy. mom called her mom. My mom called her mom, who didn't know her. And she's twelve. And she's twelve, <laughs> and she said, and you're you're fifteen, I, okay? And she said, I, your, your daughter is going to marry my son. And of course, that her mother wasn't churched at all, so she just kind of snatched her out of the picture, just, whoosh, just moved removed <laughs> it, you know.
1: I, I, I probably would have been a little alarmed <laughs> yeah. by that phone call. <laughs> yeah,
0: she snatched her out of the picture. So, you know, I I would see her, but I think it was like three years later I saw her and... Um, she was, you know, she was beautiful. I saw her walking out. I was going to get me some music at the time. It was called a tracks I know I'm dating myself, but it was going to give me a couple 8-Tracks to put in my uh, car, play some wonderful music. I had a nice car. You know, I worked hard for it. And I saw her. And My friend was with me. And I said, man, I think that's Pam. So we stopped the car. and Sure enough, it was her. And she's just beautiful. Just, and so I told her I would, I would walk with her home. So we were walking. I told her, I said, "Listen, if you if you be my girlfriend, I was 18, and she's 15 now. So I promise you, when you get old enough, I'm going to marry you." Uh, and so we got to the house. I said, now "I need you to call me back before the week is out." You know, with no cell phones, then I don't know if you want to, you know, if you want to continue with this. And so, to make a long story short, she called me in the, at at the sixth day, because uh, if the seventh day, I would have called her. So
1: you, you uh, you're riding in the car. You you. Stop the car! Jump I, out! Chase
0: her down! Yes! And give her give all her an that. ultimatum right there! All of that! Jumped! Got, got out of the car and ran her down and told her. I walked her to where she was going and told her while we were walking I was going to marry her. It's a man of action right there. Well, I took some action then because Mama didn't raise no fool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, like, what do you
1: what do you think all these kids these days just swiping on their phones? You actually got out of a car and out out of the talked car. to someone.
0: They, you know, they used to they used to say this in the church. The Lord is my Shepherd, and I see what I want. And so <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that's that's what that was all about. you know, I wasn't going to let grass grow under my feet when it came down to her, yeah, but that's when you had to you know, you couldn't text and other that stuff you know, you had to go home to call or go to a phone booth or or write a letter. It was all about it was all about hands on and not this electric virtual stuff now we have to
1: continue so with. So, so you start dating. What what does her mom think of this? Well, who uh, who uh, was kind of got that alarming phone call years years prior, and then probably hadn't heard anything of you.
0: Well, Pam was fifteen. Her mother allowed her start dating at fifteen, and so I just reappeared. And the thing, <laughs> <laughs> the, thing about, the thing about it was is that I was over there every chance I got because I could drive. I had my own car. I had my own job. I was managing a shoe store, so. I could just show up whenever I wanted to, and um, she was in the 10th grade, and I was graduated, so started dating towards the 10th grade, end of the 10th grade, so I would pick her up every day from school, in my beautiful Mark V, but I was doing all that to keep all them little young'uns back, you know, like, don't even try it, this is, uh, you know, this is my wife, who's just not married yet, and uh, so people thought, I was up at her school so much until some people thought I went to school there. <laughs> I was at Mesmer on Capitol.
1: Did you did you come back and go to prom with her?
0: Yes. I went to prom with her. That was the only prom I could attend. Because remember, I told you I was raised in a very strict yeah. home and so we couldn't attend our, our proms. But by the time I was eighteen, you know, I was like, you know, I'm a grown man and you know, I could I can go to a prom if I want to. Yeah. And I had to ask them if I could do it. <laughs>
1: got permission, then he got married short, shortly after that, right?
0: She graduated in '79, May of '79. <clears throat> she graduated from Mesmer High School, and in June of '79, we got married. Forty uh, four years ago.
1: Congrats on the
0: forty four years. Yes, it's it's the ha- best decision I could have ever made. I could tell you a real funny story about that, uh, real quick. Before, about six months before we got married. I was managing this shoe, this shoe store. It was called Odd Lot Shoes. It was on Third Street down in, uh, uh, down Third State. It's all changed down there. But you get in there and you go buy second you know, shoes that were that were you know quite not quite right. They were on an odd lot. And so um, uh, this girl that I liked when I was when I was a kid, I remember about twelve years, I couldn't really like her, but she was beautiful to me. And uh, she wouldn't give me the time of day, nothing. And, um, and so she came into our store. And I knew she knew my friend who was working with me. She came back another day. I was like, "Man, why does she keep coming in here? You gotta tell her to stop." He said, "She's coming here for you." I said, "What?" Oh, and I mean, this is like a childhood dream. You're dating Pam at this I'm time. I am dating Pam at this oh, time, man. and so I mean, I was like, "Well, maybe I should hold the horses for a minute because Tony is the girl of my dreams." Oh, I called her name. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it was a long time ago. Shout out to Tony if she's listening. She's absolutely absolutely beautiful. And so when I found out that she was interested in me, I just kind of started shifting my view towards her and uh, told my dad. I said, now, Dad, listen, uh, I I don't think I'm going to marry Pam. I see this this girl. She's beautiful. I just want to be with her. And uh, I said, but don't tell Mama. And, you know, because my mother was, the patriarch of the house, she, you know, she didn't play. And so I came home from work. I was still living at home. Since I came in the house with my mother, I heard my mother in the back room, Daryl Lynn Hines, come in here. And so I knew, I knew whenever she called your whole name, you know, your life is about to be over. So I went in the room and uh, she's like, what is this I hear you're not going to marry Pam? And then she started crying. She says, I will beat you. I will move you to another part of the country. I will disown you. I will, you will not be, that's, the wife of your life, I mean, she just lit into me. She says, "Now you call that girl and tell her you can't see her anymore. I said, call her? She's calling now. And so I called her. And I said, listen, my mom said I can't see you anymore. <laughs> She's she like, she like, your mother said you couldn't see me anymore? I said, yeah. She said, well, I don't think I want to see a man who the mother can tell him what to do. So it was real easy when I told her my mother said. But I almost messed up. Man. I was fixing to blow it for real. Even though she was a nice person, I'm not saying negative, Pam was the one to, that I was to be married to, for sure.
1: Yeah, I, lo- I love that range, going from being a complete man of action to kind of breaking up with someone because your mom made you. Oh, yeah, yeah. you yeah, well, you, gotta you got to understand.
0: you got all ends of the spectrum there. Any, ch- any child raised uh, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, they understand. All of them know what I'm talking
1: about. I, I would not have messed with her either based on what you said. <laughs> no. All right, let's let's fast forward okay. a, c- a couple years. Can you uh, tell me about take take us back to July 17th, 1981.
0: Yeah. It was a very a very a life-changing experience for me. Many people know it, but many people don't know it. I was working for the for it was called Republic Airlines then. And uh, I was a gate agent, a station agent. Gate agents are the ones who work the counter. Station agents are the ones who park, you know, you need the cones and unload the planes and get the paperwork. And so it was a really bad storm. Pam and I had been married about a year and a half. As a matter of fact, she was six months pregnant with DJ. And uh, DJ's like, you know, he's my oldest son. I have two boys, DJ and Brandon. And so she was going to her family reunion in Memphis, Tennessee, and um, we could fly free. And so of course I, I walked on the plane. And I waved her off on the ramp because I was working that day. I was working second shift and I saw her plane, you know, go. And she was like, she's like, she said, I told, I told God, she said, and I, out of the blue, she said, I was praying. And I told God, don't let him cheat on me while I'm gone. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't even know that would have been a thought in her mind because I had to stay here and work. And so sure enough, I went to break and, uh, there was this girl there at my break at about six o'clock and uh, we kind of, we were looking at each other and we got to talking and, you know, and it was real easy to set up a date with her after work. So, you know, my wife was out of town and just, it just all, I don't know, I just kind of got weak for a moment. Just temptation, temptation into the end. And uh, so, and so we were going to set up a date after I got off of work. Well, I went back and worked. The, the first plane I went back to work, it was a lightning storm. All the jetways were filled, uh, the corridors that you walk down. So we were parking planes on the ramp and letting the manual stairs down. And so it was a lightning storm. It was really bad. So I went to have to, I had to let the, the, the stairs down manually. So I went and let them down out of the nose of the plane, grabbed the railing of the plane to extend it. Lightning struck the tail end of the plane and the plane hadn't been grounded. So I had one foot on the ground, one foot on the rail, on the rail and the lightning, I grounded the lightning. It, it came out, it went all the way down and it came out my feet, uh, knocked me 15 feet in the air from what I was told. I landed on my face, and my heart stopped beating. And um, so lightning, it, it really killed me. Um, you know, I didn't stay dead, but it killed me. My heart stopped beating, no pulse or anything. And so they began to work you know, really feverishly to try to revive and resuscitate me. A couple other people got struck by, you know, got the effects of the lightning. One man, he, it burnt his face. Another lady paralyzed her from her waist down. Um, And so they began to work on me and, um, and uh, just, it was with no success. So they had me in the back of of the paramedic wagon, make a long story short, connected to the EKG machines, flatlining just, you know, electric fabulators, They did that to me a couple times and just flatlining. And so this lady who I worked with, she was a a Christian born again believer. And she just began to pray. And she says, God, I know you have a work for this young man. Uh, Give him his life back. And she said, as she began to pray that, she said she could feel the presence of God in the back of the paramedic wagon. And I began to breathe after 45 minutes. She said, it's just like the EKG machine that was registering flatline. It started to pump. A line you know paramedics kind of thrown off because they were through they weren't they weren't going to do that anymore they thought you were dead they thought they thought i was done for as a matter of fact my sister called the airport because it got out they called uh donald called and said something happened to daryl so my oldest sister called out there where i was working at and the lady was like well I, i won't tell you anything my sister said well i work in the hospital i've seen the worst she said well your brother got killed by lightning and um so she didn't know that I was on my way. She did, so that was what she got. So she was, you know, you know, so she got to pull her stuff together. And she found out where I was at the hospital. Uh, she found out, well, where, where are they taking him? She said, well, he got killed, but they're taking him to St. Luke. He, he's not breathing. and all, So it was really bad news. And so, of course, uh, my mother, she got out there, and she was, my mother's very spiritual And they told her, you know, that I was in a state I would never come out of, you know, every six to eight seconds, I'd sit up and scream like a tortured animal. My tongue would extend past the bottom of my chin because they said I'd gone too long without uh, oxygen to my brain. And I would be like that for the rest of my life if I lived two hours. And my mother was like, no, God's going to bring him out of that tonight. And my mother was very, very seriously influenced by the word of God in the Bible. That's that's uh, that's how that's why I am who I am today, because of my mother and my father, of course. But she just said, no, God's going to bring him out at the night. And she began to pray. And my mother You're know, in the Pentecostal church, you know, we dance. We it's called when the Holy Spirit hits you. And so my mother and right there in the hospital, she just started praying, praying and praising. And the doctors thought something was wrong with her. You know, so they wanted to sedate her. And she was like, no, I'll do what y'all do. I'm going to do what I do. And so, you know, she just, you know, she just did, you know, speaking in tongues and all the things that Pentecostal people do right there in the hospital. And after about two and a half hours, I started sitting up, but I wasn't screaming. And in very slow, very slow tone, I was saying, Lord, bless my soul. Save me, Jesus. And the ironic thing is, is that when I came to another six hours, I had complete amnesia. So I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who my family was. And so while I was, you know, while I was uh, at that state, I, I, I began to pray and didn't even realize it. You regained consciousness to an extent. You just didn't know yeah, what didn't. was going on. No, complete memory loss. I didn't know what happened to me. I didn't know. And uh, when I was, you know, I tell people this all the time because they ask me, well, did you see a light or anything uh, when, you, when, you, when you were dead? Well, first of all, I didn't know I was dead because I still had a consciousness of myself. I just didn't know where I was.
1: Hey, everyone. It's your host, Richie Burke. And thank you for tuning into this episode with Bishop Daryl Hines. I just wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor, Central Standard Distillery. Not only am I a fan of their Door County Cherry Vodka, I actually, I got dinner at the Craft House last week before going to the Grace Weber concert. By the way, Grace Weber stopped by our studio. We're airing her episode in a couple weeks. A lot of amazing stories. So make sure you're subscribed. You won't want to miss that. But... Anyway, not only does Central Standard have great cocktails, they also have great food at their craft house. I I went with Brie, we went on a date before the Grace Weber concert, and Brie said, quote-unquote, their fries are like McDonald's, but better, and I don't really know anything that Brie likes eating more than McDonald's French fries, especially on a road trip, so there's really no higher compliment that I can pay to the Central Standard distillery kitchen staff for cooking those up. I had a salad that was great as well. So make sure to check out not only Central Standard Distilleries Spirits, but also swing by their craft house for some great food. Alright, back to the episode with Bishop Daryl Hines. I watched a video and it, you said something like you got transported to another place, it yeah. seemed, and you were there but no one else was there and you didn't
0: know what was going on during that 45 minute Yeah. Stretch. And I don't know how long that period of time was. And I can tell you this because people sometimes when they hear people talk about their experience, once their heart stopped beating, some people have different different uh, realities. But just as real as me sitting here looking to you, that reality of where I was, was that real? It's not something it was it was a place I was at. I was conscious. I didn't know I I was aware of myself, but I I didn't know where I was at and I'd never seen anything like it before. It's nothing that I had in my mind, nothing that I heard from the Bible. It was a total different awareness and it was a color, a, a real gloomy color I'd never seen before. And, um, and it was puzzling to me because after I began to regain my memory and remember my experience, I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't see no light at the end of the tunnel, none of that kind of stuff. Not like the gates of heaven just yeah, opened. And yeah. It was like it was almost looking like I was on the other road. I don't know for sure, but it's you know wasn't no light. I tell you that much, and uh, so I, for for years I wouldn't share it with people. But it's real. I can say this: it, there is a reality, a consciousness after your heart stops beating, and you die. You know, we call it eternity in the Bible, uh, but I can say this to people who are who never read the Bible that you will experience a reality of living after you leave this body. I did. And it's just as real to me as sitting here on this couch. Mm -hmm. And so I tell people all the time that I'm, I'm a preacher. And so my goal is what the Bible says is that we will, we will spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Um, And so I can tell people if you make that choice, you can make it. But even if you don't make that choice, you're gonna be somewhere in eternity because that's real.
1: Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Do you think
0: your reality in that next life is based on how you live your life on Earth? Of course, I do. I, I believe that. I believe that. With, I, I believe that because of the Bible, and I believe the Bible. And uh, I, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's the more intelligent we become. Uh, the more your faith has to be in the Bible because the Bible doesn't always make a lot of sense to people have, that, have, uh, that are very intelligent. Uh, but by faith, I believe what the Bible says and it's real to me. Uh, heaven is real to me. Hell is real to me because the Bible says it's nothing I make up. And so when I preach, I preach simply from the Bible, not my opinions. As a matter of fact, I never brought my experience up after uh, because I couldn't find it in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I, w- I only I only preached what's in the Bible.
1: How, how, obviously, that was a complete life changing experience. But what did that set you on this path? It seemed like at that point you're in your early 20s. You're working for an airline. I don't know. Yeah. Did you want to go into the church and and be a be a preacher or no? Did that I was, just change everything for you. I
0: was. I, I liked the career. I liked being in the airlines, but I also my love was music, and so I was a songwriter, uh, a singer. I had my own band, my own group and everything. We would travel and sing, it was, you know, I, that's what I wanted to do. I've been, I've been singing, believe it or not, for about 60 years. I started singing when I was five years old with my sister. Uh, she was three and I was five, and my mother taught us harmony at that age. And so in the church you had, that was your outlet, and so they would put us up and we'd be singing. So I've been doing, I've been singing all of my life, and so that's what I was gonna do. I'm a, a, I'm a wonderful, uh, writers of gospel music. I mean, i'm one of the best, man. I'm trying to tell you, but you would never know that because uh, a lot of it didn't get recorded. <laughs> but I got a lot of good. <laughs> I got a lot of a lot of wonderful songs that uh that you know. As a matter of fact, you know, maybe I'll get to recording before I. You got get, albums get to, uh, out there. Yeah, I got I got a few of my. My sister has recorded. Uh, Two albums with my songs on it. Then I did uh, one release with my songs on it. But that's that 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 lightning sent me in a different direction. After I after I began to um, c- get my memory back of what happened to me, I just wanted to really know that relationship with God outside of what I was influenced by the church. I just wanted to pursue it on my own. So I did a lot of things that I had never done before. You know, you know, doing a lot of fasting and going without food for weeks and uh, praying and reading the Bible for myself. Um, you know, got down to like 130 pounds. I was no more than 150 at the time. My father was like, man, what are you doing? It's like, dad, I got to, I got to know this. I got to know God, you know, I got to know the God that gave my life back. So it really changed my life. It gave me a real six. And I, I had a visitation in the hospital where I heard the Lord say, you take care of my business and I'll take care of you. Tell the dying world about a living Christ. And that's what I've been doing ever since then. Mm-hmm. Traveled all over this world doing that. What is that like? Is that just like a voice coming in your head? It's yeah, it's 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 like an a presence. That's that's the best way I can do it. It's like it's a presence you can feel, you can't see it, and you can hear it. And uh it's it's like it's in your mind, it's in your spirit, and you know it just as clear because it's not something you're making up. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't know to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, I, I, mean, I wouldn't know what his business was or what to take care of. So when I had that conversation in my spirit with him, that's when I took a different turn in life and began to pursue how to do that effectively.
1: Mm-hmm. And that led to you founding Christian Faith Fellowship. I believe on the south side of Milwaukee, are off Good Hope Yeah. right now. Can you can you tell me about the early beginnings of that and how it's grown into what
0: it is today? Well, you know, again, everything that I do, I believe I'm doing what God has instructed me to do. That's how I live now. So I had been traveling and preaching. And about eight years after, after it happened to me, uh, I, f- I felt impressed to start a church. And uh, one of my friends told me, man, you probably need to do that. And so I was away preaching at a church. And I called my wife and said, listen, I need you to find a church building because when I get home, we're going to start a church. And, of course, I'd never done anything like that before. Um, and my daddy wasn't with it because I was his, you know, I was his musician. He didn't want me to leave. And so I didn't have a whole lot of instructions as to how to do it. But she did. She found a building, uh, Pastor Norm on the south side. He was pastoring baby assembly. And uh, she asked him if we could come into his church. It was, the only, it, was, it was the only church he could find. And, of course, it was so far back then, black people didn't come to the south side. That was just, you know, we weren't on the south side. It was, it was Milwaukee. It was very segregated. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, when I got home, I was like, you, you found a church? She said, yes. I'm, I said, I'm a South side. How, what, how, what kind of church are we going to have on the South side? But this guy was kind enough to let us come in and we started at one And so we we're going to try to buy the building. Uh, but after the first year you, you couldn't find a seat in the building. And so by the second year it was just packed and we realized we had to move. It only seated about 150 people and we, we packed it out in just two years And so I was impressed to find some land on the north side and just build a building. And, of course, that was a process. So we went to uh, another Lutheran church on 15th and Keith. It seated about 350 people. And it looked like the moment we got in there, it was jam-packed. We had to sit chairs out. So then we went to Borough Middle School. But we found some land in the process. And in the sixth year, we broke ground on Good Hope Road. I won't go through all the challenges that we had. Mm -hmm. But we started building the building after we were like six years old. And uh, because there was nothing that we everywhere we went was available to us, we just grew so fast. It was just people were coming from all walks of life and all different backgrounds. And of course, we were serving them as much as we knew the things of God and also social things. Did you envision it becoming what it is today? You have a you have a church, you have a high school community center grade school Great. no I, I i i never knew i was going to pastor a big church i didn't even know how to do that i just was on pastor so it's there was there were no churches the size that ours became in milwaukee that i could go to there were no black congregations as large as ours and so it was the largest black congregation and we we were calling ourselves kind of uh, multicultural because we had some other racist people attending but it was predominantly uh, an african-american church And so, you know, I tell people all the time, God has a real sense of humor because I did horrible in school. And when I said I did horrible in school, I I don't even remember being taught how to count. I just know I know how. I just don't remember anything positive from school. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe couldn't play no games and I hated school. And so, uh, you know, so when I told the church after we were in our seventh year, we we built the building and I said, now we got to build a school. And so the committee got together. And so we're going to build a grade school and we built a grade school and the community got together and they called it Daryl and Daryl like, and Heinz Academy. He couldn't pass his classes, but send your kids here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, you know, God really has since you know, I got a school with my name on it. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, we didn't know. So we built the school and then we bought the, uh, the, 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 the plaza on 8th and we built a youth center and. And then we put a high school there. And there's some other things we're going to be doing. But those things happened. Then we were building every, we were in increments of five years. We were doing something to help affect our community.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, let's get to the standard five, five-ish quick question sponsored okay. by Central Standard. If you could spend a day with one person dead or
0: alive, who would it be? You won't know the person I'm going to tell you about, but the founder of the Church of God in Christ his name was Charles Harrison Mason. When did he live? He died in 62. I won't, he died in the 60s. And so you never met him? Never got a chance to meet him. He was a, a, a phenomenal man. And if I could spend a day with anybody, it
1: would be with him. I like that answer. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self?
0: Uh. Enjoy your life, and don't work so hard to accomplish things that you don't take the time to enjoy them. You know, I think that um, I think that when you get focused on accomplishing a goal and you're purpose driven, you have to, of course, let that purpose drive you. But you can't let that purpose move you away from enjoying the life that God has given you. And so I would have probably, I would tell myself, you know, you, you got it. You, you, you're going to get it done. Just enjoy some other things.
1: I like that. Um, Brandon Williams chimed in with a fan submitted question. Really? Really. He said, um, how do you manage to look like the younger brother of your two sons?
0: <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to tell y'all, I'm gonna tell y'all the secret, you know, Usually when you get a certain age, there are certain things that start happening. So you have to do some things to keep it from happening. So I exercise. I don't eat a lot. I, um, I use a lot of dye. Um, and uh, let me see. And uh, I, I use my wife's. She has skin products. My wife has a I use her skin products. And then I try to rest. When I sleep, I sleep. So I still, I still sleep eight to ten hours. You yeah. you any, yeah. anything with your hair? personally interested Uh, yeah uh, yeah you know um you know i'm I'm, i have three brothers my youngest youngest brother has hair and the two in between are bald-headed and so um i would probably let my gray grow out if i didn't have hair on my head but because i have hair on my head i'm not ready to see my my hair black my hair gray i got to keep my beard black and uh you know really what inspires me to keep myself like this because every now and then somebody will mistake DJ as me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not him. That's my dad. You know, that. that's probably what gives you inspiration to get up and go jogging. I'm mm. telling you, when they start mistaking you for somebody, you know, just your son. Love it.
1: Love it. Um, my Michael Shepard was wondering, how do you, this is kind of a backhanded compliment question here. How do you manage to hit a golf ball so far at your age? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, well, you know, I think it's technique, you know, I had some techniques and then I do, I try to keep my upper body strength going. I'm, I, I'm, a, I do a lot of push ups. You know, I was at one, at one time I was up to 500 push ups a day.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: for real. I just messed my shoulders up. I just, just, you know, I always, like I said, I'm, I'm so driven by what I want to do until sometimes I overdo it. And I, I just, I wouldn't stop at 300. I had to get to 500 and I'm not making it that up. That's true. I can get down, I can do more push-ups than you right now. I haven't been doing them like in about a month because it just, my shoulders give me I off. Could, I, could, I could do you.
1: We, uh, we will not show the audience that right now. <laughs> um, speaking of Michael Shepherd, I have a personal question. You have a very, very well put together fashion sense okay I feel like Michael Shepard spends more time um planning his outfits out than worrying about his golf score and he just likes having matching outfits at this thing and (laughs) you know he's got the Jordans he has the the price tag flying off his hat still like do, do you think that's a little over
0: the top I think if you're going to dress then your game has to be its best so, so
1: Michael Shepard has some work to do. He's <laughs> a, he's a phenomenal simulator, simulator player, but well, on, played, on, the, just, on the
0: course, I just on, played with him and uh, he was like, Michael was hitting, man. I was with Michael a couple of days ago and he was like, he had it. I had to give him a couple. I told him he probably needs to come out with me more because he made me play better. You know, I was hitting the ball far and, and just, you know, it's a great time. He can, he can hit it. He, yeah,
1: he can, can hit it. it. He can hit it. He, he, I'll I, give it, I'll give him that
0: a I lot think, of potential. I told him he was playing better cause he was playing with me. You know, I think I I think You're that, probably a nice, relaxing presence
1: for him out there. He can get a little high strung. He's a he's a hundred ten percent guy at anything he does.
0: I got a funny story with Mike. Mike, Mike, DJ, and another, I think with a newbie, I'm not sure of me. We were out on the course, and I s just a couple of years ago when Mike Brian was playing with Mike now. And, and Mike at that time he was he was really getting his game together, so it took him a little longer to get his shots going. So Oh, he you know, can stand over it. Yeah, he can so we got to the back nine. I was like, you know, guys, I'm gonna hit. And I hit and they were up there. And I said, and I'm gonna go on and hit again. And I hit again. And so I I just went on to play by myself and I think I was <laughs> I was back home and they were still on like the fifteenth hole or something. Like that. I was like, I couldn't take it. I don't have that kind of patience.
1: <laughs> I cannot wait to send him that clip. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but he's much better now. I enjoy
1: him. He is. We we love Michael Shepard. Um what what do you like most about Milwaukee? And what what is one thing you could you would change about it if you could?
0: Um <clears throat> the older I get, I would change the weather, but let's talk about something well, yeah, that's real. Yeah, something that's is, real. I don't... Uh I like I like uh the uh I used to like the 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 slowness of Milwaukee. Milwaukee at one time it was a bigger city, but it didn't have the fast city vibe. Uh and it was more family oriented oriented oriented. If I could change anything, I would try to change it back to that because we need families to be responsible to each other and for each other. Sometimes our youth, when they don't have that structure, uh, it doesn't bring—they're uh, not real governed in their actions, and it can be—it can be havoc on 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 any people. So, I would, I would, if I could change anything, I would—I would—and I do that, you know, I encourage family, I would, I would really try to bring the focus back to family first before we focused outside of the family. And uh, what I do like about Milwaukee is that I've been here all my life and um, I'm familiar with it. And um, my family is here. All my brothers and sisters are here. I only have one sister who's not here. She lives in uh, Phoenix and she pastors their church we planted. So all of my, all of my connections are here.
1: And uh final question. What, what are you most proud of or what would you consider your greatest accomplishment?
0: Um, This is gonna seem funny to you, but uh, seeing my children raise my grandchildren, seeing the, the remember I told you family, seeing this institution of family in a third generation that started with me, with my sons and their children. I can't explain that kind of joy, um, but it's something that you can't make up. It's something that you just experience when you get there. And uh, that's probably one of my greatest. My wife, of course, will be my constant, but seeing my children raise their children and the respect and the regard that they're raising them with for family and for uh, life, it's probably one of the most greatest accomplishments I've ever experienced
1: bishop hines thanks for coming on today and thank you for all you do for the community here in milwaukee thank, thank you for having. tuning into this episode of milwaukee uncut with bishop daryl hines please subscribe and write a review if you have not already and if you do write a review and leave your instagram handle in the review we will reach out get your mailing address and send you something because we're trying to grow this show and we do appreciate those reviews also a reminder that this show is produced by Storymark studios sponsored by Central Standard Distillery and in partnership with On Milwaukee. Thanks again for tuning in.